Well, after uh, two months of not uh, standing up here and preaching and speaking to you, uh, today uh, on this Labor Day, before we kind of kick off our fall season next week, I want to do things just a little slightly different. I want to uh, share with you all uh, some of just the reflections uh, that I have had from God uh, on my sabbatical. And as we enter this fall season as a congregation, I want to take us back to earlier in the year. Uh, we started with this theme. 2021, we said uh, this year we want to look at this theme of renewal, of looking at, at, at seasons of refreshing. And as we started and looked at this theme, we we talked about how as, as we look to hope in, in, in God, in Christ, uh, we believe that he is bringing renewal amongst us. And after a tough year in 2020, we want to look forward to this renewal and this time of refreshing. Though we haven't fully experienced this in some ways that we have expected, today I want to bring us back to this as we kind of remember uh, and call for God to, to renew our lives. Uh, about uh, a Two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, it was five in the morning. Um, we had our trusty Honda Odyssey uh, packed up and ready to go. And as we got into the car, we were driving down this dark road in the Badlands of Oregon. And it was so early in the morning that all you could see was the sun uh, coming, the, the sun rising on the horizon. And as we were driving this road, we were preparing for a 30-hour trip back home from the West Coast, and we were trying to do this in just two days. And so as we set out early in the morning, the sun began to shine, and about two hours into our drive, a small little town came on the horizon. And as we approached this small town, my son Zach from the back seat began to sit up and look with excitement, and he said, Dad, is that Chicago? And I just started laughing, but also folding myself in, because we were only two hours into a 30-hour journey, and he already thought we were there. I looked at him, and I laughed, and I said, oh, son, no. We have 28 hours left, buddy. Sit back and get used to this, because we have a long way to go. Throughout our lives, and especially in our spiritual lives, uh, we often want to discover the shortcuts in life. Uh, we want to live into this path that leads us to the least resistance, that takes us to the place of comfort, that expressly leads us to renewal. But as we enter another season, of mask mandates, of more political divide, of an unrest in our souls that we are carrying, the truth is there is no shortcut. There is no easy path. The reality is, is that we have a long way to go. Yet on this long way, on this long path, we need to discover the hope that we have that carries us, the hope that we are to live in, into fidelity to Jesus, as we cultivate a life of faithfulness, is that we are on a path to life. And my sermon title today is Discovering the Path of Life. And the question I want you to ask yourself is, are you pursuing the way of Jesus uh, with fear or in faith? Uh, over my sabbatical this summer, 
Uh, we took a lot of time resting. We took uh, time uh, visiting other churches. We took time traveling together. But also on this time, I took three different prayer retreats where I just spent time uh, uh, really on these hikes with God, asking for him just to not only renew me, but, but speak new into me. And today, I just, just simply want to share with you these three reflections that came to me on these three different hikes. And the first thing uh, I want to point to, that as we are led onto this path of life with God, we need to remember there is a source, the source of this life that is leading us. Uh, I took my uh, first little prayer hike in a state forest in Oregon, Illinois, a little south by Rockford. And the trail I was on, it was leading me along this river called the Rock River. But as I made my way onto this trail, before I made it to the river, I first had to go through the forest. And so as I took these steps in this humid, swampy, and mosquito-covered path, I, I looked up and I realized that I was nowhere near the river yet. That in order to get to the river, I had a long way to go before I got there. And as I was doing this, I opened up my Bible and I stumbled upon Psalm 23. It begins by saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And as I began to walk and to, to pray out this passage, this passage hit me anew in this moment. Because God is our shepherd. He is the one who makes us lie down in green pastures. But it says that he leads us beside still water. Still water is this image of the source of life, uh, the refresher of our souls. It's a, a liquid that renews us, that enters our bodies and gives us this new sense of refreshment. And it says that our shepherd, our Lord, our God, leads us to this place, to this source of our life. But in order to be led there, in order to make ourselves uh, available to be led by the still water, we first have to get there. We have to go through the winding forest. To get to the river, you have to take the winding path that leads you there. To get to the source, you have to be led through the long and tiring path that eventually leads you there. Through the sorrow that you experience in your lives. Through the stress that comes and gives you anxiety. Through the relational pains. Through the job loss. Through financial struggle. Through the dissatisfaction of trying to find this meaning the source of life in all of the wrong things. You have to be led through the difficulties to eventually emerge and find the source of this refreshing. Or as Psalm 23 says, you have to be led by the still waters in order to find the one who restores our soul. The reality that we must acknowledge is that we have no idea how long, how much longer it will take for us to get there to get through the forest and to discover the river. Uh, after driving in the car with our kids uh, for so long, no matter how far we were going, no matter how long the journey may be, or no matter how short it may be, no matter what, every single time, about 30 minutes into our drive, one of our kids would ask that question, how much longer? 
How much longer do we have? How much longer until we get there? And as we go throughout our lives, uh, we come and we ask this question. Because we face hard times, down times, the times of going through the slog of life, of seeing a loved one getting sick, to, uh, of seeing a friend dying, of seeing a hindrance in our path and affliction, and we say, how much longer, O oh Lord, how much longer till we get there? But we have to remember, and I'm here to remind you today, that you are being led on this path that leads to life, and we are, need to endure in this path. And in order to endure, to, to press on into this path that leads to the source, I think there's two things that we need to remember and to do over and over again. And the first is to abide. Uh, this word that means to, to hold on to, to stay attached to. We need to abide in the one who leads us to life, into the one who gives us the source of life. In John 10, uh, Jesus uses this image of Psalm 23 of a shepherd and sheep, and he actually says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. It says, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. We need to abide in the one who lays down his life so that we can share in that life. Over and over again, we need to remind ourselves, are we abiding in this relationship that cultivates and brings us to life? And the second thing we need to do is we need to repent. Uh, to repent, it means to turn away from other things. It means to let go of other sources that we try to hold on to. Uh, as Peter preaches in Pentecost, uh, or right after Pentecost in Acts 3, he says this, he says, repent therefore and turn back so that your sins may be blotted out and so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. To repent is to let go of these other sources that lead us away from God and instead pursue this relationship that leads to this refreshing from the source of life. The path that leads to the source can be long. It can be longer than we expect, than we plan for, and it can be hard, it can be discouraging, but it leads us to life. Uh, Psalm 23 gives us this image of being led on this path, and it says, though you go through the valley of the shadow of death, it ends emerging with this promise, Psalm 23, 6, that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where we are being led to is this source of life, this place of worship that unites us and leads us over and over again to abide in the one who gives us the life we look for. Uh, one of the places we went on our trip uh, was this waterfall in Oregon. And it wasn't uh, much of a hike to get up to the top of it. It was pretty short. But when you got up to the top of this waterfall, all you could hear was the rushing sound of the water. Uh, our kids were captivated watching the water fall into the river below it and feed into that river to give that river the life it needed to keep going on. The source is the place that keeps filling us up. We need to keep coming to the source of Jesus to find our filling. Uh, we can't let the obstacles of uh, an ongoing pandemic or ongoing separation cause us to lose out on coming together a weekly to pursue Jesus together, to come back to the source. Uh, Jesus gives this image in John 7, 37 through 38. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
Uh, Coming to the source is remembering that what we need in Christ, he fills us up. See, are you following the way that leads to the source, the, the words of Jesus? Or have you gone into the season where it feels like you're giving up, you're giving into the weariness? Over and over again, we need to remember that we need to come to the source of our life. Uh, second, uh, we see that in order to be led on this path that leads to life, that it's a journey. It's a journey to get there. It takes time. Uh, my second uh, prayer hike took place in a state park in Minnesota. Uh, they call it Mount Tom. It's really more of a hill, but, you know, good for Mount Tom that he's got a mountain named after him. But as I, I took this journey alone, um, I began the day just thinking through Psalm 66. Psalm 66 is a psalm of remembrance. It's saying, recount the awesome deeds of God. It's the psalmist saying, I remember, God, that you split the water and your people walked in it. It's a, it's a psalm that says, remember and live into this remembrance. But as I was walking, I got uh, to this split path. I wasn't quite sure which way to go. I'm kind of directionally challenged at times. And so as I was trying to make a decision of uh, which way, which was the right way, which between the two was right, in that moment I was recalling one of my favorite passages. It comes from Genesis 12 in the beginning of this life of Abraham following after God. And in Genesis 12, Genesis 12, 1 begins with this crazy request from God to Abraham. It says this, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, go from your kindred, go from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And we hear this verse, and I think it's somewhat easy for us to skip over because we know the story. Abraham is a great father of faith. We know that he goes. We know that God provides. But in this moment, in Genesis 12, 1, Abraham does not know that. Abraham is staring out into the unknown, and he's looking back at his known life, at his life that he has established. He's lived in his city for 75 years. He's taken over his dad's business. He's inherited the land that was promised to him. His life is established. He knows what's ahead of him. And here God comes to him and invites him to go into the unknown. And we get this clear image of Abraham choosing between the two paths. The one that leads to his known life, his life of comfort, his home. The other that leads into the unknown, into the dark, packing up all of his belongings to hit the road with God on this journey. Uh, Our family uh, was on this road trip for a month, and some were longer stays, some were shorter stays at places, but every time we left, it was the same routine. We had to make sure we packed up everything we had in order to make sure we could leave that place. We started to develop a routine, a pattern, almost a checklist of knowing what to grab and put in. And our kids packed the most random toys. And so you'd be packing the whole car and then you'd be looking under the couch of the house we rented trying to find the one toy that got away. But it was a task. We had to do it every single time. And here's Abraham. He's he's counting the costs. He's thinking if He wants to live this way for a long time, stopping and going, packing up all of his things over and over again, following God on this journey of being a nomad. And as we look out into the path of life in front of us, it can seem overwhelming. We don't know how long our hardships will last. We aren't sure how many times we'll have to pack up, 
again and move on the road. But faith is a journey. It's not a short road trip. It's a lifelong journey that causes us to over and over again follow after God's leading. And over the past 18 months, have you found yourself being able to trust God's leading in this process? Or are you stumbling along in this journey, doubting where he is leading? Do you hear the promise of God leading you in your life? Abraham's invitation to go is followed by this clear promise from God. And I think it's so powerful. He says, go. And he says, go so that I can show you the land that I have for you. Go to the land that I will show you. See, if we hang on and hold on to our comfortable life, we're missing out on this life of faith where God wants to lead us to the place that he wants to show us, the land he has for us. And in one of the most faith-filled verses in all of the Bible, Genesis 12, 4 simply says this, So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. Do you hear how powerful that verse is? This invitation into the unknown, not knowing what was ahead of him, and Abraham took a step of faith. He went, because he wanted to see where God would show him. Mark Sayers, in his book, The Road Trip That Changed the World, fills out the picture of these two verses And he says this, he says, I like to imagine Abraham looking every bit the madman, staring out into the frightening void of the dark desert, feeling a pull, a powerful toe toward a nameless, unseen God. Behind him, all the might of the city, the walls of his grain storehouses, the the towering pyramid-shaped temple, he can hear the drums, the screams, the pagan chanting, and in his gut, the doubt, the conflicting emotions, The fear that everything he has believed until now is wrong. The city represented safety, comfort, the known in front of him. The desert representing death, darkness, mystery, and the unknown. And then the resolution, the determination, the trust, followed by the first step away from the city, away from Ur. The first step of faith into the unknown, into the arms of God. The first step on a very different path road. The path of faith, the path of life, is not clear. It's not easy. Uh, The path of faith that leads us to life is into the unknown. It's taking steps of faith and trusting God leading us, leading you to the life that he yearns for you to discover in his name. In John 14, 6, uh, Jesus uses this imagery and he proclaims this. He says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, This journey that we are invited into isn't one of comfort and ease, but it's a journey that's been paved for us through the way of Jesus, and it leads us to life. See, are you taking this step out of fear and, and trusting that even though you might not see it clearly, that God is leading you on this journey that he has prepared for you? Or or are you holding on to the comfort and security you have established and missing out on what God has to offer you? We see the source, the journey, and lastly, we see the destination. Uh, My third and final uh, prayer hike, it took place in Oregon on a mountain called Mount Bachelor. It's a trail that leads you up this mountain to about 9,000 feet in elevation. And as I took this path, 
uh, in my typical fashion, I overanalyzed my directions, and I went the wrong way. I took the trail less taken. And on this trail, instead of it being paved and leading directly to the destination, it was filled with lava rocks, it was dirt and slanted, and it took me away from my destination. As I was hiking through this and barely making it by, I said, man, this thing said it was going to be easy, but this is quite hard. And as I was walking up this path, uh, my psalm of the day, uh, one of the habits I have praying through a psalm a day, was Psalm 85, the passage you heard read to us today. And Psalm 85 begins this way. It says, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. And right away with the psalm, you hear that the psalmist who is praying this is referring to things in the past tense. He's saying, God, you have restored us. You have done these things. They were in the past. And he continues this way in verses 2 through 3. He says, you forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all of their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Do you hear the remembrance of the psalmist? He's saying, this is what God has done. But if you read into this passage, you begin to realize that the psalmist is praying this way because his present isn't like that. He's saying, God, you have restored us, but right now I don't feel restored. God, you have forgiven us, but right now I do not feel forgiven. He's talking in a present that is filled with uncertainty and with fear. Listen to this tone change in verse 4. He says, Restore us again, O God of our salvation. Put away your indignation toward us. Do it again, Lord. He's calling on this past remembrance because his present reality is fractured. And he's saying, God, I need you to do what you've done in the past, but I need you to do it in this present in my life. It's repeated in Verses 6 through 8, he says, God, will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord. Grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. Restore us, revive us, show us. Let me hear. The psalmist is clearly illustrating and saying, Lord, I'm tired of the present turmoil I'm in. I'm sick of the fear. I'm sick of the fighting and the unrest. Lord, I'm calling on you to revive us again. The destination of renewal that we are looking for, it needs to be sought out. And it needs to be sought out in a hard present saying, God, restore us again. Renew us again. I think we can share in the psalmist's cry as we look at a present still of ongoing uncertainty. We say, Lord, revive us, restore us again. We, we know you've done it in the past, and we're calling on you to do it right now in our present. When you go through times of turmoil, when you feel the struggle, when you are going through hardship and discouragement, it is easy to give up. It's easy to turn away. It's easy to give out in our faith but you aren't at the final destination yet. If you give in, you're missing out on the final peak that God is ultimately taking you to. See, are you seeking out restoration and renewal from God? Or instead, are you you settling for the status quo? 
and giving up where you are. We are called to seek God's renewal because when we seek it out, when we trust in it, when we're in the valley, when we're into this journey, into the unknown, we trust that as we walk through those places, God shows up in that place and he leads us to his better future. He leads us in the place of brokenness and takes us to restoration. You have to keep going because you aren't at that ultimate destination yet. By far, one of the coolest experiences our family had was visiting Glacier National Park in Montana. We only had a few hours there, uh, but we drove this famous uh, street, this famous road called the Going to the Sun Road. Going to the Sun Road is famous because it's right on the cliff of the mountain and it goes around the mountain and takes you to the top. And when I say it's on the cliff, you can almost see in this picture, but when you're driving it, it's completely different. Over that stone wall is just a cliff that leads to death. And so you're driving this road and you're looking down and you begin to, to realize how high you're getting. But as you're driving, you don't ultimately see how high you are until you reach that peak and you get out and you can finally see all that is below you. When we were there, there was some uh, forest fires nearby, and so it was so smoky, but you were looking down into the smoke, and you, you could tell how high you were in that moment. As we drove around the circle of the mountain, we had to reach the top to realize how far we had gone up. Are you journeying toward the destination of God, or are you settling when you're only halfway there? Psalm 85 calls for God to come in the present to restore and revive his people. And listen as the psalmist begins to point to the result, the destination, the future of hope. Verse 8 and 9 begin by saying, For he will speak peace to his people. It says, Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. It turns into this future focus, this promises of hope where God will dwell with his people. Verses 10 through 13, steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground. Righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good. Our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps flow. This is the hopeful call that points to the future we have in God. This righteousness and peace coming together, faithfulness and righteousness coming down. We get this image of God's goodness breaking out over all over the land. It says God's righteousness will yield its land and increase, and it says his footsteps will make a way. The path that we are looking to be led on is a path of righteousness that God prepares for us to go he makes a way for us. And the reality of this passage is that it reveals to us that God is not a God of alienation. He is not one that leaves us alone, but he draws near to us. He prepares the way for us. Scholar Walter Brueggemann writes about the psalm. He says, this psalm reflects a moment of renewal. Of renewal and restoration. Revival of a community that is completely the gift of God alone. The petitioner refuses to let the present circumstances erode confidence about God's future. See, we can't let the present cause us to give hope 
about the destination we are being led to. We can't let the present lead us to give in to the fear that is around us. We can't lose sight of God's future. And I'm not sure what fear is somewhat present in your life today. Uh, maybe it's the fear of uncertainty. Maybe it's the fear of health. Maybe it's the fear of disappointment or despair. But don't be afraid. God appears to us and he calls for us not to be afraid, but to trust in his provision. As Jesus calls out to his disciples as he walked on the water, he said this simple phrase, he said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And this is what Christ calls us to in our moments of interruption and disruption and fear and frustration. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Keep your eyes on him who is walking this path of life and discover that the destination is just on the horizon. We just need to keep walking towards it. 30 hours in a car with three little kids is two long days. But as we finally uh, emerged into Illinois and we merged onto 290, all of a sudden there in the distance, on the horizon, the Chicago skyline came into sight. And my son, who had prematurely asked 28 hours earlier, and who honestly kept asking us every few hours, he finally looked out of his window and he said, Dad, there it is. It's Chicago. We're home. We made it. And I think of this because after last year, it feels often like we are so far from our destination. Our destination of normal, our destination of an established life, of full health, of a sense of finding peace. But this vision of hope that we have from God is to keep going on this path to life, to believe that he is the shepherd who has come, not only to give his life for our life, but he is the shepherd who has come to give us life in its abundance. In John 10, before Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd, we find him say this in John 10, verse 11. He says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I want to invite you just in this season of life to discover this path of life, to believe in the promises of Jesus and to seek the source, to take the journey, to discover the destination that is found in him, to live in faith in the ways of Jesus. Stand with me as we prepare to respond.